You're listening to Mapping Online Hate in Canada, hosted by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. The Institute is Canada's leading think tank working at the intersection of human rights, conflict, and emerging technologies. In this series, we will be interviewing experts and looking into the relationship between online hate and offline violence. Hello, this is Kyle Matthews from the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Rights Studies. We're here today for a special podcast on mapping online hate in Canada, particularly looking at what's happening in Quebec on the online space. Um, we're meeting and talking to different experts across the country on what they're seeing on the digital area of, of online hate and incitement to violence. And today we're very pleased to have David Wyatt, Director of Research and Public Affairs at CJA. David, great to have you with us. Great uh, being here. Thank you for the invitation, Kyle. David, I'd like to start off. Um, CJA has been looking at the online, online hate particularly directed towards the Jewish community uh, in Quebec and across Canada. And you presented some work on this at my institute um, just a short while ago. Just tell us about what are the concerns of CJ and, and what you're seeing online as far as anti-Semitism is it goes. So actually, our initial concern was uh, not only anti-Semitism, but uh, you know how, in fact, online hate propaganda was increasingly translating into real-world violence. You know whether we think of the 2017 Quebec City mosque shooting. Obviously, the, the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh in October 2018, the mass killing of Muslims in, in Christchurch, New Zealand, the perpetrators had basically radicalized uh, online. And it is a, a phenomenon that cuts across uh, ID far right. It has been uh, a factor in radical jihadi movements. Uh, whether groups or uh, um, so-called lone wolves, that is, individual perpetrators. What became clear to us was that uh, the tactics uh, of um, violent groups, individuals, uh, had changed, and public policy uh, is not adapted to this new threat, and that something had to be done. Tell us a bit about um, uh, some of the engagement you had in trying to bring about uh, public policy changes, because you're right, government moves slow, they don't always catch up with how technology is, is impacting other aspects of society. I'm wondering, you know, what, what are some of the things that you think could, could be done to deal with uh, online hate? Well, so what we did in, in the immediate aftermath of the, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting in October 2018 was to assemble a coalition of uh, different Canadian groups to, to call on the government to... Uh, establish a national strategy to counter online hate. So we address this call to the Ministry of Justice to conduct a, a study of the phen phenomenon and and to get the, the ball rolling on uh, developing a Canadian federal strategy to counter online hate. And uh, I have to say the government was very receptive to the idea and um, just you know a few months after we issued uh, that call, the Justice Committee of the House of Commons was tasked with conducting this study, uh, which took the form of consultation with a variety of stakeholders, uh, you know, including CJA, but uh, you know, a, a whole diversity of um, faith-based organizations and uh, ethno-cultural minorities. So, you know, Muslims were there. Um, 
Armenians were there, just uh, the Sikh were there, Black Canadians were rep represented, uh, the LGBTQ community, so on and so forth. So, you know, all types of communities you could consider as at-risk communities for hate crimes. And um, in, the, in June of last year, the committee issued its, um, its report uh, with nine recommendations, which we were uh, elated to notice um, matched uh, our, our own recommendations in a policy paper we had presented to, to fund the training of law enforcement agencies and the whole judicial apparatus, so prosecutors, uh, lawyers, judges, etc. Uh, so give them yeah, a kind of training to, to better um, sensitize them to this new phenomenon of online hate and, uh, and the necessity to use the legal tools at hand to best prosecute uh, cases of uh, unlawful hate propaganda. Another recommendation was to share best practices in collecting data between you know, the different police forces uh, around the country. Uh, actually, this has been a, a long-standing ask of CJA in terms of just generally speaking, uh, uh, hate crimes. There, there is some disparity on how different police forces collect the data. And, and, and that uh, impedes, I think, the government, but also civil society to have a, a better understanding of the the problem of hate crimes in the country. So harmonizing data collection, uh, obviously tracking online hate, which is probably the, the, probably the most uh, important challenge, the most difficult challenge uh, we are faced with. And you know, the, the research project, project MIGS is conducting right now is really crucial because there has been in fact very little data-driven research on the phenomenon of online hate in Canada. But um, there's a lot of work going on internationally, mostly in the United States and actually in Silicon Valley where civil society groups and uh, the tech industry are collaborating in developing tools to um, ease the, the tracking of online hate. Of course, when you're talking about tracking online hate, it's important to be able to define it. So another recommendation was to precisely define what is hate propaganda in accordance with jurisprudence from the Canadian Supreme Court uh, to be sure that you know, the fight against online hate doesn't become a, a abusive, vexati vexatious process where you know, statements that are merely uh, offensive <laughs> right, uh, don't, don't uh, undermine the effort of going after the real peddlers of hate propaganda. I think it's very important to make a distinction here between, you know, uh, I would say your, your casual discriminatory comment on social media and the active pursuance of hate propaganda in, in, with the objective of uh, pushing people to commit uh, violent crimes. Um, so the definition of hate is uh, a, key, a key recommendation that has been retained by the Justice Committee. But in terms of prevention, there's a lot that can be done. You know, there, there is a crying need for, uh, I would say, digital literacy among you know, all sectors of, of our society.
but probably mostly with the youth. We know uh, that the youth are actually more vulnerable to, to, to what they encounter online. And so one of the recommendations is actually, yes, to, to ensure that um, the youth is equipped uh, with the, the critical mind to, to, to not fall prey to online propaganda. And, and finally, there, one recommendation was um, to find some kind of civil remedy to online hate as well. So not only rely on uh, the criminal code, but also on human rights legislation. Uh, that is more of a contentious issue. Uh, I think anybody familiar with you know, the question of human rights, freedom of expression, and, and hate propaganda is aware of the whole controversy around Article 13 of the Human Rights Act that, that has been abrogated uh, because it was used in a vexatious manner for you know, frivolous ends of basically shutting down uh, uncomfortable uh, opinions for certain so for certain people. So what we are suggesting is that you know the the abrogation of Article Thirteen left a gap uh, that needs to be filled in a way that uh, provides the necessarily balance between the protection of speech and, of course, the protection of Canadians from violent uh, hate crimes. David, I really like that. I think the point that digital literacy needs to be um, pushed stronger, that people need to be critical and, and see what's coming across them and on who's behind it and for what purpose are they publishing this stuff. But I also think it's key for you is that is that we, we have to, and I, I think there's going to be some concerns in government, like what can we regulate what is said if it's not directly inciting uh, violence. And, and, and I think that's a very slippery slope because we don't, we, there are cases where people uh, wanna shut down uncomfortable discussions or debates rather than demonizing an entire group. And, and I, I think that's careful. David, I'm wondering in any of your work, have you had any discussions with any, anyone from the private sector? Because the truth is uh, Facebook, Twitter, all these platforms that are being used by individuals are not controlled by government, and, and there isn't much legislation that put in place yet. So I'm wondering, has your group talked to any tech companies or, or talked about the need to legislate tech companies? Yes, so we have been especially in frequent contact with Facebook and, and Google. And just to, to return to what you were saying, right, so it is a slippery slope for governments to regulate speech. Uh, but it is also one for private interests, private corporations to regulate speech, you know, especially in this day and age where Twitter and Facebook has become, you know, our public square. Um, so, so we believe that, you know, there, there has to be cooperation. I mean, we welcome self-regulation on the part of the tech giants, but I think there needs to be also some, some government, an overview, a framework, a larger framework. Uh, I don't think it can be left to the sole corporations and, and anyone who's been in, uh, in talks with the likes of Facebook and Google will understand also the the, the huge challenge it represents for them. So I, I think they're, I'm not cynical about these things. I actually believe that they've uh, improved their uh, scrutiny of hate speech on their platforms, but it's still not ideal. You know, if you, if you think of the current situation with the pandemic, social networks, including Facebook, have become 
uh, the staging grounds for um, you know different conspiracy theories about the pandemic. And we've just seen in the last few days here in Quebec that these conspiracy theories have repercussions in the real world with attempts to take down um, cellular signal towers across the province. Uh, and this is happening at a time where, uh, in the case of Facebook, for example, their monitoring of uh, hate propaganda is, is being um, impeded by the epidemic because the, the tens of thousands of Facebook workers who do the, the human monitoring uh, can no longer do so. They cannot work from home uh, because of different security and privacy considerations. So in this time of crisis, the monitoring is being done by AI. And, and anyone who spends time on Facebook uh, will, will notice that people are complaining about uh, absolutely legitimate posts being taken down and wondering why is not the ideal way to to ensure uh, the quick removal of uh, hateful propaganda uh, and can even lead to two errors right taking down uh, wholly legitimate uh, speech from the social media uh, but it does speak you know to the uh, daunting task faced by the, the tech giants the, the sheer volume of information that circulates on on their on their platforms is is extremely difficult to monitor and uh, you know it, we will need down the road a combination uh, I would assume of improved AI and, and human intervention and since the big tech companies have indeed improved their monitoring and removal of hate speech from their platforms uh, we're also seeing that there is a technological shift uh, among the peddlers of paid propaganda from the likes of facebook twitter and youtube to other platforms uh, that are a lot more difficult to monitor or whose owners are actually less inclined to collaborate with civil society groups or the government uh, in terms of uh, not allowing extremists to use their platforms as a um, soapbox. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a constantly evolving and changing um, uh, issue problem that we're we're facing here, and you know we we won't be able with just you know one law and one set of public policies to to address uh, the issue right in progress to adapt to all the technological uh, changes we we see on such a uh, rapid scale. So last February, CJA and its coalition partners uh, wrote to the four ministers who are currently tasked with overseeing the government's efforts to counter online hate uh, to ask them, you know, what, what would be the timeline, what they had in mind to implement the recommendations formulated by the Justice Committee uh, almost a year ago. And uh, just yesterday, we actually had a, a call with the ministry, and we were actually quite impressed to see how much uh, thought is being given into um, the project of creating this, national, this federal strategy. Uh, there has been you know, clearly a lot of reflection, a lot of work done. And, you know, and despite, uh, you know, the current pandemic and, and urgencies of the day, 
uh, we are confident that the government aims to, to move quite quickly um, to come up with um, you know, a, a first step to a solution in countering online hate. David, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and telling us about the work of CJA and how you're following this issue across Canada. Um, I really want to thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you, Kyle.